This call is now being recorded. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Ben Kitchings of History Voyager. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. Jasper Owens, why don't you tell us about your podcast? Well, it's it started out as, as what I would call a history podcast, but I recently changed the the uh, genre to cultural because it talks a lot about symbology and things that people would classify as mythology. So it's it gets uh, offensive to some people if you if you call that history. But um, no, it's basically a history podcast, and, it, and I try to break down how everything symbolically, language wise, uh, our systems of government and and banking, all of that. It's really just the same old thing with the with a new label on it, but um, that's about it in a nutshell. That's yeah. What's it called? It's called the Omnicast at the moment. It's still pretty new, and the the title might change, but the Omnicast O M N I Omni, uh, which is a word meaning all, and um, it's on uh, Anchor FM and Spotify, Google Podcasts, and probably several other things but those are the biggest three i listen to it on spotify um and if you put a link in the if you give me a link i'll put it in the description and sure thing share it with the universe um i wanted to talk to you about you know i was listening to your money stuff your money podcast and i'm kind of with you i'm kind of thinking you know I don't know if our um with all this pandemic has got me thinking, you know? It's, it's got me thinking it's a, about it's a cycle that that that, you, that we can't seem to break where we we build up some really good things in civilization and then we abuse some of the things we've built and and don't manage things correctly and it all has to kind of partially collapse and start over, but that also ushers in new technology and new systems and and it can be good but unfortunately it usually comes at a destructive uh kind of hindsight type situation thing where it, it we never realize what we're doing until it's too late and then we have to keep going and and right i mean i don't know like you think about these smartphones on the one hand, they're they're wonderful tools, and on the other hand, do I want these large corporations knowing things about me? Or you know, and it, right? And it's and that's kind of how they've they've got us. They they know that we need what they've got, and then they they know we'll say yes to you know giving them some of our information to to have those luxuries. And they turn around and sell that information, and it. It becomes a another loop situation where it's spiraling in in on itself, and it can really lead to no good, even though it's profitable for some people in in the moment. Right. Um. So tell me about okay. So fundamentally, my podcast, believe it or not, folks, is a history podcast. Uh, but I'm like you. I'm branching out in all sorts of areas. Um, well, history history's it's hard to put a, a definition on that word because, like they say, to the victor goes the spoils and, and the 
the victorious write history. They they're the ones who get to produce the history books after they've conquered. And it uh so it's really yeah. it's hard to get a, a get a, a realistic picture of history. So history is a broad thing. I think I think it includes a lot of things like this. I you know talking about now is is modern history. I would say. Well, one of the things I thought I was thinking about was, so I'm just a guy in 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 this back bedroom here, and quite by ex quite by well, I guess you know I endeavor, you know I do endeavor things, but lo and behold, this has become I think the latest ranking is the hundred and something uh, most listened to documentary podcast. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. You know. I forget if it's in America or in the world, but either you know, way, it's doing pretty good. That's awesome. Well, well, right. but one, well, one of the things I was thinking about with it was I was thinking, well, God, imagine like I'm Johannes Gutenberg, right? I could do a, a podcast about where I talk to people like us, you know, people like you and me, and about this whole because I see it. I don't know if you see it, but I see it. The, the, the new, I guess, the new media, the new way to look at things. It's it, it's it's more it's more spread out. Individuals can you know spread their information more easily versus ABC or NBC controlling all of it. The the internet has yeah, it's allowed it's allowed people to to have a voice. Real people, you know. Exactly. And one thing I would not have learned, or I would not know if I hadn't learned it, was people, believe it or not, I swear this is real, they love to listen to podcasts where I talk to just normal, average humans about their normal, average lives. Because they can relate, because it's it's something real for, for a change. I think people are about tired of, of the the fake everything. They're tired of the Real Housewives of wherever and blah blah blah. And right, right. They call it what they call reality TV, and it's just as scripted as the cartoons on Saturday morning. Like it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. One of one of my friends years ago, he said, "Reality television is neither reality nor television." <laughs> I thought, <laughs> "Wow, hey, that's pretty <laughs> spot on." <laughs> So I guess fundamentally this is a history podcast. So let me ask you, um, what was your earliest exposure to, I guess, the internet? To the internet? Oh gosh, probably waiting for flash games to load on on dial-up internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, that 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 would probably be the very first, and then. Once I realized that you could get anything from the internet, it, it became throughout my life a tool to to learn new skills and to read books without having to go to the library or or buy the books, and which I guess that's yeah. piracy. But still, the internet it, it provides a lot of free learning tools and the ability to communicate with people around the world. And or, or not even I've used that not, throughout. Yeah. Or, yeah, there. I was just gonna say I've, I've used that. I've used Used it for that, you know, throughout my life, and it's funny that the first reason I can think of that I wanted to get on the internet was to, was to play games, and 
and now I could, can't even imagine using it for something so, you know, insignificant at, at this point. I, yeah, right. I mean, there there's a podcaster that I listen to religiously, um, and he said, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, he goes, like, I'm I'm an expert in history, right? And he said, 10 or 20 years ago, you would have had to go to UCLA and pay all this money and, and listen to hear me talk. And, and now, like, you can just be doing whatever, and I can be in your ear. Right, right. You don't have to have to go pile into a to a meeting room or a auditorium. Yeah. Have only so, a, so um, many people. Right. So okay. So one of the organizing principles around these podcasts is I like to talk to folks about uh, their experience of the virus or the pandemic or whatever. Uh, right. So and if you don't want to answer those questions, we can talk about whatever. But it's just an organizing principle. So oh, no, that's totally how, fine. How, how are you doing in the pandemic? Um, honestly, my, personally, for the most part, I've been almost completely unaffected by it. Um, it really hasn't caused me any any problems, but I do live out more in the country, and that could have some things to do with it. And I work at a golf course, so the you yeah. know it, it didn't have to close down. I never was out of work. The one thing, the only thing that happened to me personally is I was going to do my first strongman competition, the Nashville Relentless uh, competition, which was a charity event for Hope Kids. And uh, that was canceled. It was supposed to be in August, but it was canceled at least till early next year. So that was a bummer. But other than that, um, it really hasn't bothered me too much. I've had a couple of family members get the virus, and luckily um, – both of them are fine now. They're one of them's back to work, and one of them, my great grandmother, is who's around eighty. She's um, she's fine now. She lost a little weight, and it was hard for her to uh, to eat, which she doesn't eat enough, anyways. But but they pulled through, and and after only a couple of weeks, they're um, they're doing fine. Yeah, well, you sound you sound like you're coming through it okay. Because believe it or not, I talked to folks all over the country and. And I've heard some horror stories. Let me tell you. Um, oh, I, I believe it. I think uh, I think I've been really lucky or blessed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, just in my location and my and the type, just the type of environment around where I live. It's it's yeah. It's a good safe place. No, it it sounds like it. Um, so you guys don't have any shortages or any like. They, are you, first of all, are you on a farm there? Or are you, I guess, adjacent uh, farm or, or? Technically, yes, I'm on a farm, but it's it's a giant corn and soybean farm, so I'm not getting anything. You know, there's not a I'm not growing my own food or anything crazy like that. I wish I was, but um, <laughs> we have a couple locally owned stores and a Dollar General in my area, and mm-hmm. the two the two family owned stores are also gas stations, and they're and that's all we have for about 30 minutes in, in any direction. And the closest thing would be Springfield that has Walmart, Kroger, every, you know, it's a normal city. And I've actually, before I even, tr- all of this, I tried to avoid places like that. I try to stick to the, the rural areas when I can just because there's nobody there to bother you. But 
I've I've avoided going to Walmart and things like that even more, and I've used things like Amazon to order groceries versus having to go out and just planning a few days ahead when I can. You know, here's something that not per se for for my listeners today, but for my listeners way off in the future, um, they might not understand the transition that, that we had to go through for to use Amazon and, or things like that to get food into the house, you know, because... Oh, imagine like if I we would, didn't have things like that. It, oh, it would my be God. A, a nightmare. It would be a nightmare. <laughs> so why don't you, in your own words, again, this isn't for the listeners in the present day, but maybe the listeners further down the line, what was the transition like for you to to go from, let's go to Kroger, let's go to Walmart or wherever to, oh my God, okay, Amazon, food, boom. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I guess, I'm trying to think when that would be. It's probably as soon as Amazon had, so I've been an Amazon Prime member as long as you can be, and as soon as they had the groceries, I was like, heck yeah, I'm not going to the store. I'm, I can, I, you know, I can make it off Doritos for the next 24 hours and, and get my groceries a day late. That's fine with me if I can just sit at, sit at home. But uh, I think in the last year or two is, is when I've really started using it almost regularly, unless something just needs to be had. I'll go go out somewhere. Okay. But um, oh, no, okay. I, I'm a loyal Amazon customer. I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with everything they're doing, but... um. No, I think they have provided a necessary service. Yeah, I think, you know, a little bit of it is problematic to me because they're they're so, like, they're really ingrained, basically, in, in a lot of things. Oh, they're powerful. Like, they're powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, like, they're almost like their own government entity at, at this point, it, uh, like Google and, and I guess Facebook would kind of be, but... The, well, yeah, like these are companies that can literally fight the government in court and and outdo them in, in media spread, propaganda spread. So it's exactly. a threat. Well, one of the things, like I, I heard this on a podcast, I forget if it was before the pandemic or during the pandemic, that they actually are the Internet. Like Amazon actually is the actual Internet. Meaning that they that they are in control of the of the system that makes up the internet. Well, so Cisco Systems had to go out of business for some reason, and the government stepped in. And I forget if this was during Bush or Clinton, uh, second Bush, you know, W. Right. But I forget right. if this was during Bush or Clinton. Like Cisco Systems had to go out of business, and the government was all okay. We don't want, like, we want an American company to own this, right? So essentially they, I don't remember the details right off, but essentially they either, like, guided the sale to Amazon or however that worked. But, right. So Amazon, Put in just like, the right regulations to where only Amazon would be the appropriate person to take control. 
Well, I don't know if there's a re- I don't know about that, but I know there's they declared the internet like national infrastructure. Somehow I don't I don't they didn't want just Cisco systems to go on the free market and have say China buy it up. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. No, I think well, I might have to do some reading on that for sure. No, I, I heard this on a podcast and it's really Oh, I remember the lady, um, she said she wanted to be a digital vegan. And so she listed like several different companies that she would try for a week to not use, right? And she said, to her amazement, it was literally impossible to not use Amazon. Like, Uh, yeah, because of how many services and whatnot they. I mean, they own so many domains that don't have the Amazon brand. It's it's insane, thousands. And they also and they also own like a lot of the switches. Okay, I'll give you an example that really focused it into me, right? So when I apparently, according to her, when I pay my taxes over the internet, right? Right. I'm I'm paying an Amazon portal, even though it's the you know regular IRS website. So Amazon's getting a cut for everything. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that goes, but yeah. And again, like again, listeners, I don't. I'm just saying what she said. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I can totally see that because everything, everything today works on middlemen, and and you have to go through ten different people and, and systems and companies to get to the source, and everybody's the taking their thing. cut. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really a lot of work not getting done and a lot of people getting paid is is how I see it. And I don't know. And I'm with you, man. I don't know. Like, one thing I've been chewing on ever since March, because that's when we really started to order perishable food off Amazon. Um, One thing I've been working on since March is, like, what if the virus goes stupid and people start being all like, no, let's not go to the store. Let's not go here. Let's not go there. Right? Right, right. And what is, what's going to happen to Kroger? Like, what's going to happen to, we're, are oh, we going to come out of it? <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you're on something there. I think that's really what people like Amazon are kind of hoping for. And because then they have, I don't know if you can call it a monopoly or not, but they basically, already are, are working towards that. And, I, I mean, yeah. I, I definitely see them. If, anyway, they, if, they, if they can find a way to help that happen, to help that people like Kroger or Walmart uh, or anyone go out of business where all the products are coming through them, even as a middleman, then they would love that. Well, that's the that's, other thing. Yeah, that's the other thing she said was that, an amazing percentage of the of mail, an amazing percentage of packages actually do time in Amazon warehouses. I believe it. I used to I used to install conveyors in Amazon warehouses and and yet it's insane how how many just everything, everything you can think of is in there. From mail to, to every product from every single store you can possibly think of. Amazon is is their middleman. Yeah. Yeah, I actually know a lady that that tried to like she had a product or something and like she was selling on Amazon for a minute and then Amazon looked at it and was like, "Oh, we can copy that." Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Amazon has, oh my gosh, everything. They have their own jeans brands. They have ba- their own baby products. Everything they've got their own version of, even if it doesn't say Amazon jeans or you know, whatever. Right. They've got their finger in, in every industry they can get in. They've got into it. So yeah. Far. And the only thing, like, I don't buy, the only thing I will not buy on Amazon is electronics, and that's only because, like, they burned me one too many times. I'm like, okay, no. I agree <laughs> with that. that. And clothes. I, I get burned on clothes. I, I feel like anything, you can't, I don't know, you can't get the right size. I, you know, I bought some clothes on Amazon that have been okay, but then, you know, they were, like, cargo shorts. They weren't, you know. Right, right. Whatever. Something you could make make work, even if they were a little short. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little big. But um, yeah. So, tell me about um. So you do. I've heard your podcast. You do a lot of symbology. Like, what do you see as far as the symbols, just in daily life, that you want my listeners to look at? Oh um, gosh, that's a <laughs> that's a big one. I didn't think you would ask that. Um, um. Oh wow. Okay, if there's one symbol uh, I could say to always be looking for, it's the sun symbol, uh, which could be interpreted as as the ancient Egyptian god Ra, as the Babylonian and Hebrew god Baal or Baal, uh, and pretty much every Apollo, every other sun god. You, if you look around, the most powerful and 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 the most valuable big companies and corporations and even governments throughout the world uh, use these symbols and, and almost always it's the sun symbol which there are many derivations of like the phoenix and the eye and things like that but I would say that's the, the biggest one and even with the coronavirus um, the word corona is a word from astronomy and anatomy that means uh, a rarefied, ga- well, in astronomy, a rarefied gaseous envelope of the sun and other stars. So it's a a halo or a crown around a star in anatomy, a part of the body likened to a crown. And the uh, coronaviruses themselves, actually, uh, under a microscope, each virion, which is uh, when a virus goes outside of the cell, it's called a virion, is surrounded by a corona or a halo. So... I think it's kind of crazy the sun symbol can be found all the way down to the cells of the virus that's going on today. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, no. And the thought I thought, the thing I thought you said that was cool was, like, until recently, like, well, you said, like, oh, how many banks have have the sun in their, in their, um, oh, yeah, their logo? almost and, all of them. Yeah, yeah. And even Amazon is a is the ancient Greek the the Amazon warrior females, and it's crazy. Amazon's growing at the same time this the the extremist feminism movement is is continuing to grow, and it's. Uh, I thought that had to do with the crazy. river, the Amazon River, but you're saying no. Uh, like you're. That may be what they say, but I think sim- when wow. when companies use their symbols, they like. I'm yeah. sure if you ask Starbucks why they have the uh, the Baphomet 
female, the same that the Statue of Liberty is based off of. In their logo, they would come up with something, whatever. But um, it's yeah. all the same. It's all the same symbols, and and they give it a different name. And if someone figures it out, they say, "No, no, no, we had no idea. It's just a coincidence." But right. it's the exact like, same symbols. I can't remember the thing about Shell Oil, but there was a thing along those lines about Shell Oil. But I don't oh, right, right. right the 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 seashell symbol that it, when you look, it's like those pictures where you see a yeah. black and white image, and they say, "What do you you know? What do you see?" And it's got multiple images in it. The uh, seashell of the of of Shell Oil um, or Shell Patrol, whatever the real name is. Um, is a rising sun or setting sun, however you want to look at it, logo, and with the rays of the sun coming off, and it's just basically uh, in a, a, a shell-shaped frame. Yeah, of course, you know that that whole company is that that has a fascinating history to it. Like <laughs> it just does, and it's um, oh, there's probably some relation to the word. Shell, because they use shell, S-H-E-L-L, and with, and it's probably related also to shale, uh, oil, oil, yeah. oil drilling, right? So, which is in the sea, so you got the seashell, the sun symbol, the sea where they're getting oil. I mean, it's all, it's, yeah. it sounds crazy, but the symbols all, they all add up to some aspect, one or another of, of the company. Right. Yeah, huh. Well, that's like, um, I mean, that's like, what am I trying to say? Like, the, what, what was that company? There was a company like that where their logo was one thing, but then you dig deeper and it was this other thing. I can't remember. Honestly, probably every single, every single, every single, every single one, sadly. After, after researching enough and, and looking at these symbols enough, it's hard. Not to see them and everything, but uh, but also I try to look at the link with that symbol and what that company does and who the founders are and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So what's an innoc what's a innocuous looking symbol that you think isn't innocuous at all? Like what's what's one that's like real innocent that you think isn't innocent at all? For example. Hmm. You know, it's it's it. It would be hard to um, to answer that question without offending somebody of some religion. But I would say the cross and also the swastika both are uh, both have have been. I don't know. They've been used for for opposite meanings, I guess you could say, and for for things that have nothing to do with their original meaning. Which have given them a bad name and, and people don't want to look at them. Same with the seven-pointed star or the five-pointed star, the pentagram. They People see those things as evil because when you watch a horror movie about demons, pentagrams are flashing at you. Yeah. Well, that and I thought about that. I thought about this story. Of, you know, you were talking about, like, the, the four winds or whatever, the four winds symbol. Right, I, I right. Used to, I used to be in this archive. And um, they would be, believe it or not, they would have these old menus, these old Chinese menus from like the start. They kind of stopped doing this around 38 or 39. 
But if you look at Chinese menus from, say, 36 and beyond, like going backwards, you do right, see right. a lot of four wind symbols all around them. Right, what what people would call the swastika today and right. associate with, with Nazi Germany, which they – there's a there's – a, we could talk 24 hours about that. It's It's been so – it's been used yeah. by so many cultures, and it really wasn't up until the Nazis that it took on the the bad meaning or the bad image right. that it had. He was, which I'm not a pissed. Nazi supporter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody, right? But he was very much into the occult. You know, oh, for sure. You know, for sure. He was very much into the occult. Um, and uh, I. I don't remember exactly right now any of those, but totally, he was way into it. Oh yeah, um, he hired hired had whole groups of people just you know focused on that. While well, he also had a group to the side making meth, but but he was yeah, but he was also right. he was trying everything. <laughs> he was yeah, he, yeah, right. He's a lot like um, Aleister Crowley in that way, trying trying a little bit of everything. Right. It's that weird. Be, I never uh, thought about that until just now. There's a lot of similarities between Aleister Crowley and Adolf Hitler. Yeah, no, they're really. I mean, I know Aleister Crowley was into the occult, but I, I didn't know any similarities. Um, yeah, now now that I'm thinking about it. They, the only different main difference I would say is that is that Crowley preferred to work behind the scenes, behind the people in charge, versus. Hitler liking the spotlight. So wait, you're saying Aleister Crowley was like a what, like a white supremacist or whatever? Uh, uh, he possibly was, but no, I, no, that, that's not what I mean. I just mean um, in the way they they used what they knew. Aleister went behind the scenes using his occult knowledge. Uh, I think he also knew a lot more about it than Hitler. But Hitler, I think, was only halfway knew. You know, that's why he had his people researching it so much is, is he, he knew there was something to the occult, but he didn't really have a, a grasp on it, but he was trying to go ahead and, and, and take power anyways, and thinking that the symbols by themselves would help him, you know, not knowing the deeper aspects of things. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating to me when you really, when you really study World War Two is, you get into this, like, you can see the debate raging all around on the Allies' side is, was Hitler actually going crazy or was he not going crazy? And that's actually kind of interesting to, not it interesting is. is not the right word, but... It's a hard question of, to answer. Right. It's, a, it's like a puzzle with some of the pieces missing because, you know, we can't, it's hard to get a primary source straight from the from the man. Especially in this situation. From, from somebody. But see, that's what history is. Is like, you know, there's, and that's what I love about your podcast is that there's, there's so much stuff in what I call the, the mainstream inquiry of history that people just want to stay away from because it's not from, knowable. <laughs> or they think it's not knowable or, or doesn't fit what they, think they already know and they don't want to backtrack and, and admit they were wrong. Or you get like this. You get like, so at some point 
you know, after the last ice age, at some point there was this huge migration of people uh, that we today call the Normans, right? And right. But nobody really knows when that started or why it started. But here's why nobody really talks about it too much. Because they all know, look, this went on while these people were literate. Like, these people could read and write. Oh, right. They try to, they try to act like, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, well, honestly, I think that humans haven't, humans today, I think, are the same humans that there have always been, and that the, the few handful of other things we find that are human-like are the outliers. And I don't think it's right to say that we all came from them. So, yeah, I agree that their timeline is wrong, and we've had writing and a lot, you know, cloth making, building, all the uh, irrigation, yeah, but I meant to say uh, agriculture. I'll give you one straight out that I will never forget. I was, when I was in college, I was also doing documentaries, like documentary films and stuff. Right. And I was in a class, and we learned about, there was this group of folks, and they didn't, at that moment, the best thought was they didn't have, these folks didn't have any any way to do numbers or, or writing or anything like that. And, you know, I was telling my uh, my cameraman this, and he said, and he said, I'll tell you what, anybody who thinks that, man, they never made a movie because anybody who, anybody who ever made a movie would know you got a plan and you got to write your plan out. Right, right. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it's, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know why anthropologists, or well, I've, some anthropologists, uh, think that humans didn't, just had so, such a long period of time where they didn't have simple things like writing and, and counting, cause I, I, I believe even the, if there was a caveman, you know, who was trying to show another caveman how many of something were, he'd hold up that many fingers, even if they, even if they didn't have a word for it. Yeah. So those well, I mean, to say those yeah. systems had to develop over thousands of years is, I think, is crazy. Well, I don't know about I don't know about thousands of years, but I I totally do think. I mean, like I totally get how, like I I had to read about the number zero. For 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 my history classes, I had to read about the invention of the number zero. And they literally had to come up. If you think about it, counting nothing as a number is literally an abstract thought. Like if you've right, never had right. to do that before. And so like, you know, it actually the number zero cropped up in different places in the world at different times. And like, I get, I get what you're saying, but I also get like things have to develop. And I think well, like, that one of the more like a philosophical question than a, than a numbers one. Because I don't know when you start, when you start asking questions like like that. It's... Well, right. Well, it can be. Except okay. So when you're making a wall, okay, when you're making a wall and you want to make sure the wall doesn't fall down, you have to do like higher math, basically. So to do higher math, you need the number zero. Well, <laughs> I you know. I mean, you, to to make sure a wall is falling down, you. You need a framework and, and it to be level, which you don't even have. It don't have to be level. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, for a walk. I, I don't know. Well, like the, sure. okay, so like the Hebrew people, the ancient Hebrews, came up with the number zero as a part of the way they made walls. Or way they making walls. Where did I read? I don't remember where I read that, but um, I was studying. It was in a college class where we were studying about the ancient Hebrews and and wall making. Like they would make walls. Right. Well, and, yeah, people have been making walls since since the beginning of civilization, I would say. Yeah. So anyway, huh? So, how did you get into podcasting? Uh, that's a good question. I don't really know. I'm, I guess you could say I'm still trying to answer that question. Um, I just wanted to... I guess I got tired of writing for a little while and it felt like talking instead of writing. Cool. That's that's really... I, I've written a, written a lot of material on the, the subjects I, I, am, I talk about and also a lot of fictional writing and article stuff but but no I got tired of writing and and realized you could talk a lot faster sometimes than you than you could write. <laughs> and sometimes your your body will just kinda lead you on the on the talking whereas when you're writing you got all the time in the world usually unless you got a deadline and and it's it don't it's not as real. It's not as genuine, I think. I think writing is, is in a way less genuine than talking. That's probably true. Um, so, do you want to ask me anything, or uh, I, I hadn't prepared anything, but if you'd like to turn turn around the situation and and come do an episode oh, of my sure. podcast sometime and talk about anything at all you want to talk about from history, it would be awesome. That'd be so cool. All right. Uh, do you want to do that now, or do you want to do that later? Uh Another day would be would be better for me if that's all right with you, but um, it's but fine. not too not um, too long from now, you know, you know, the sooner the better. Maybe next okay, weekend or uh, or sometime in the week if you're not busy. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. I got to talk to. Hold on. Let me unhook. Let me unhook the. Um, all right. Before I do that, is there anything you want to tell the internet? <laughs> um. Uh, not without any backlash. No, I think I'm all right this time. Okay. <laughs> All right, let me unhook the call and then hang on. Hold on though. Okay. <laughs>